This conversation is brought to you in part by Shift Creative. Start shifting. With promotional consideration from Volcano Produce. Hey, hi, ho, everybody. How are you? I hope you're doing good. You know, I open up my show all the time talking about this. I hope everybody's doing good. My wish for you today is that you're having a good day. And if I think we all think like that, who knows? Maybe the world will have a good day. We should all kind of channel that positive energy, start our days off like that. What do you think, Dan? That's a worthwhile thought, don't you think? Just channel positive energy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm excited for our show today. We've got a really cool cat that's going to hang out with us talking about a brand that everybody's heard about and everybody's talked about and everybody's wondered about. Well, we're going to talk about them today and get a little bit of detail, see what they're about. So please, without further ado, welcome my friend who is the Senior Vice President of Strategy and General Counsel at Plenty. Please, everybody, give it up. My brother from another mother, Dan Malik. I'm appreciative of you being here, my brother. This is going to be a fun day. Thanks for having me, Todd. It's great to be here. It's an honor, my man. It's an honor. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed your company. I've enjoyed talking with you and getting to know you and how your brain works and the way you think. And it's uh, it's just, you know, having had the opportunity to have, to be at your farm and to see it firsthand and then to get up here and talk about where you all are heading. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun day. All right. Cool. Let's get into it. So one of the things I do differently than a lot of folks is I don't do uh, read bios and all that other crap because it's just, you know, it's just better coming from your heart, let people know. So if you wouldn't mind, give everybody a quick little 411 on who the hell you are and uh, how you're hanging out with me today. Yeah, perfect. So uh, I'm Dan Malik. I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategy and General Counsel at Plenty. Um, Plenty, for those of you who don't know, is a uh, indoor vertical farming company. Um, we like to think of ourselves as one of the leaders in the space. Um, I've been with Plenty for a bit over five years now. For those of you who uh, haven't had the pleasure of working at a startup, it's basically dog years. So I'm like, a yeah, that's, you're like 120 years in now, aren't you? <laughs> You're going to need to give me like a gold watch and a pension. One of these days. But, uh, so yeah, for the last bit at Plenty, um, been pretty fascinating to kind of be right in the mix and kind of helping navigate Plenty through the, the growth phase that we're in. Prior to Plenty, I had a background working in uh, industrial biotechnology, synthetic biology at a uh, industrial fermentation company. Um, you know, pretty different industry, but actually some some interesting parallels and crossovers via scaling biology through technology. Um, right. and, and then prior to that, I have a background in um, corporate law, uh, deal making, uh, et cetera. So, you know, did my early career doing uh, venture capital, mergers and acquisitions, debt financing, all that good stuff. So, and now you're in a startup. I mean, it's just like a combination. It's like the, you know, it's like the fruit in the loops right there, right? It's like, I love it. <laughs> I love, well, you know, Plenty is an exciting place, it's an exciting brand, and it, and if people don't know what you all are doing, it's certainly worth getting into and looking and, and reading a little bit what's out there. I know your backdrop uh, has inside one of the one of the houses, got the walls right there that you're working on. My backdrop's a globe, right, because I'm thinking like the future of ag, so I'm digging this kind of, we got a little, like a little uh, yin and yang going right now, which I'm digging, but to frame it up for everybody, I'm going to get more, a little more into it with you and get you a little more deeper dive, but what you guys do in a nutshell, and I love this, and I, and I absolutely stole this off your website because I thought this is the best way to kind of frame up in somebody's mind what you guys are trying to accomplish and what you are accomplishing, quite frankly. But your yields is basically 350 times norm of what most are out there. So to put that in perspective, what you guys can grow in the measurement of a soccer goal, right, what you can grow in that space basically would be the same as somebody growing across the entire soccer pitch. That's pretty crazy when you think about that, how much you guys can pull off in such a small space 
with the, with the resources that you need, et cetera. So if you wouldn't mind my first opening question, get a little deeper for me. Tell everybody what Plenty is. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, you know, thanks for the for the plug on the, the soccer pitch analogy. We always think that's a good way for folks to. I think it's great. I think it puts it into reality for people. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those of you who kind of can't see the backdrop here, um, basically what we do is we take um, agriculture, so growing fruits and vegetables, and we bring it inside. Not only do we do that, but we condense it. And one of the ways that Plenty does it is we have a proprietary and very unique among indoor growers um, vertical architecture, where instead of growing flat on the ground, uh, like traditional field agriculture does or greenhouse, or in stacked vertical systems where you have horizontal layers on top of each other, we actually flip the field on its side. So what you're seeing behind me here is a series of hanging towers with plants growing out either side of it. Um, that come together to form a very long wall in an enclosed space in, in one of our grow rooms. Interspersed between those walls of plants are lighting and ventilation. And what that architecture lets us do is basically take a field and fold it up and put it inside, um, mm -hmm. then give it the perfect recipe, whether that's light or airflow or temperature or humidity or nutrition, uh, and give it to that, give that to the plants um, every day, 365 days a year. Um, one of the things that our architecture allows us to do is really play with the environmental conditions. Because of the way that we have things configured, we can do things with light and we can do things with temperature that you just can't achieve in the field and is actually hard to achieve in other indoor growing systems as well because we're really pushing the extremes of what the control is able to do. Right. And what that results in is um, very, very high yields, very good quality and a very high degree of consistency. So that's really our architecture and the value proposition in a nutshell. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I said, having been there and having seen this for myself, right? It, it's, uh, it's a trip and it, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, and, and, and you know, you guys are very heavily funded, probably one of the best out there to be funded of all these, of, of all the folks that are out there today. Um, your valuation is probably close to 10 billion if I was doing some quick, uh, you know, public high school math on that. And you only have a couple of farms. You guys are just kind of getting going. And I mean, you're, you've been going, let me rephrase, I'm not getting going like you started yesterday, but you know, you're not global yet. Um, by the way, you notice I used the yet word in that, just I dropped that in there just for conversation piece, but nonetheless, but I mean, when I think about all that stuff and I think about the space and you know that I'm pretty connected to the space, you know, I believe in the space. I talk about the space. I, I see the value in it. Uh, I'm a big proponent of it. I love what you're doing today because it excites me what that means, what's going to look like in five years. And I think that's the part about the space. A lot of people forget to incorporate into that thought. So tell me a little bit when you look at a number like that from your perspective of where you're at, your five years of being there, you know, from starting there to seeing where you are now. What's that say about what you guys are doing and what you're going? And more importantly, what's it say, you know, that the future of ag is going to look like? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe at a high level, there's two answers to that question. I think in terms of, you know, where did we come from and where are we at now? I think the fundamentally what we're in the business of or have been in the business of is innovation and innovation isn't free. It's not cheap. It's not easy. And it's not quick. Um, 
So really what we've been doing for these last five years is building out the system that you see behind me, which is actually an older version of the technology. Our, our latest and greatest is coming online now in uh, Compton and LA County, California. And then we're building a strawberry farm in Virginia that's under construction currently. Um, but it was really dialing in the architecture and the technology as an integrated whole. One of the theses that you know underpins everything that Plenty does is there was a little bit of a fundamental rethink that was needed of the growing systems and of the way that we do agriculture and indoor agriculture to be able to get to the efficiency that's needed to really unlock two main things, which is scale. How do you build these things large and deployable? And then unit economics, how do you make them profitable over time? Right. right? And you know, when when our, our co-founder, Nate Story, really got the original idea for the technology, you know, many years ago now, um, he actually started looking at greenhouses um, and sort of more traditional methods of indoor production and came to the conclusion that the ultimately to get where the industry needed to go, there was a better way to do it to really drive yield and drive efficiencies. And that's that was sort of the fundamental thesis behind some of the differentiated architecture that you see behind me here. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, it, it, it takes time. Um, you really need to put a lot of focus and a lot of resources into the research and development to get the technology to where it needs to be. Crazy, everyone would have done it. Um, the point that we're at now is we're, you know, we're still doing R&D, obviously, but but we're ready to scale. As you can see with the projects that we have under development now, whether it's Compton, which is sort of going commercial as we speak. Um, and then our, our strawberry farm in Virginia, which is the first of a planned series of farms there. And then, you know, across the, across the country and across the world, um, we've, we've made it there. We've developed the technology to where it needs to be, and we're ready to, ready to scale it out. So, um, you know, if you look out five years, 10 years, what we'd like to see is many instances of these farms, growing a variety of different crops, um, you know, in partnership with our uh, retail and other partners across the country and eventually internationally. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. That's why I got the globe behind me. Love it. <laughs> there's, there's no, well, yeah, you know, I, I say this all the time and I talk about this and I, and I want to kind of get into this a little bit with you as well, is that I, you know, when I think about CEA or I think about greenhouses, I always say they've got two distinct choices to make. One of which they can, you know, they can play offense or they can play defense, right, with Mother Nature. And, and I'll explain that a little bit. You know, when I think about a, a greenhouse that's playing defense, they're, they're, they don't have, you know, if it gets cloudy for, for seven days, they don't necessarily have the right lights to continue. Or if it gets to be too hot, they don't have cooling. You know, they're, they're constantly fighting these issues that Mother Nature throws them, even though they're in a glass, even though they're in some kind of a facility. Somebody that's on offense, which I think is what you all are doing, you're working with Mother Nature, you're taking a part of what you're learning from here. I don't, I don't believe that you're not being mother nature. You're working with mother nature. You're understanding what light means. You're understanding what oxygen means. You're understanding what the plant individually likes. And you're able to create that environment that's, you know, proving. And I think it's going to continue to prove to be a very valuable resource to this planet as our planet changes and the climate change and all these other things that are in the world start to change. So I say that because I don't think people look at greenhouses in a lot of light of you know what they are. They say, oh, it's a glass building. It's got to be really it, really great to work with. That's not so true because it is a challenge to work with Mother Nature. So talk to me a little bit, if you wouldn't mind getting a little more details about how you're really rewriting the rules of agriculture right now with your technology and what you're doing. 
Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. This episode is sponsored by Shift Creative. Shift Creative brings a fresh approach to design and marketing. Shift's team of expert designers and strategists create content that connects and engages. Our clients are a collaborative part of our process, working directly with the creative team to build their award-winning projects. Specializing in branding, messaging, packaging, marketing, and websites with decades of experience serving the food, agricultural, service, and tech industries, Shift can help your brand to tell its story. Visit StartShifting.com to get started. Make a difference with your marketing. Freshen up with Shift Creative. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to start with, I'd say, I think that there's a place, whether it's traditional farming, whether it's greenhouse or whether it's Mm -hmm. what we're doing, I think there's a place for everybody in the food system right now. Absolutely. There's just so many mouths to feed. One of the what, one of the reasons that this is both a challenge but also a really big opportunity is if you look at the global market for what we're all doing for food and then even kind of narrowing it down to um, specialty produce, it's just enormous. It's such a big market. Everybody's got to eat uh, and there isn't enough of it currently to go around. So I think um, fundamentally each way of growing is going to have a place for the foreseeable future and has its strengths. I think what we're doing is we're really trying to unlock new frontiers in what's possible with indoor farming, whether it's on the yield end, whether it's growing hard to grow things like spinach, like strawberries, like other crops that we have in the pipeline. So that's really, um, you know, the big picture view. I think in terms of, you know, the double click or the deep dive on what the special sauce is, I think it really comes down to control at the end of the day, everything Mm -hmm. that we're doing with an integrated systems view. So every part of the system is meant to work with every other part of the system, whether it's the lighting, whether it's how we manage heat within the system, whether it's the precision with which we can manage nutrients, how we move plants through space and automate them within our system. So we really think of the farm itself as the product and take a pretty deeply product informed and product first approach to the technology. So rather than trying to solve things in isolation, what mm-hmm. we've done is solve things as a unified whole and as part of a cohesive product that we can then deploy. Yeah. I mean, it goes to what I said, right? You're playing offense. You're not playing really playing defense. And I think that that's really an interesting part about looking at some of these companies like yourself, these startups that are out there today, that's the first thing I look at. It's like, all right, what is your structure going to give them? What's going to turn out to it? It's in, you know, look, the industry's having its issues. It does what it does like any good growth industry. It's, you know, it's, it's going to ebb and flow. But what I find so amazing and I find so fascinating that I, again, I said earlier, is this, it's, it's what you're doing today in five years from now is what's going to be so impressive to see. I can't wait to see some of the things that are coming. I mean, you know, I know, you know, in the time that I was there, you know, there's, 10 other things that nobody saw that were, you know, somebody in a back room was working on, which I think is super freaking cool, right? And I love it. And that's why I'm excited about where you guys are going and the fact that now the curtains kind of come back a little bit and you're starting to scale and you're starting to talk about things in a bigger way. Um, it's really exciting. And I mean, and it leads me to my next question. You know, so much is written about this space. So much is written about this startup space, right? And, you know, it just it catches positive wind. Now it's catching negative wind. And, you know, people ran at it like crazy with money. And it was, it's, it's you know, it's it's a circus in a lot of ways, right? And you, you live it, I live, we see it. It's, it's kind of a trip. But talk to me a little bit, you know, 
about the biggest question I think that looms over this space. And that's about, can you actually make money? Yeah. Right. And, you know, I mean, that's a fair question to throw out there at this juncture, a lot of things. So, I mean, can it be profitable at scale? I mean, I think, uh, I think that's the, you know, the, the billion dollar question, if you will. And, and I think the, the answer, I like how you did that. <laughs> you like what I did there? <laughs> I think the answer for us is yes. Um, but I think that that's the, Fundamentally, that's the question that's confronting the industry. And I think, you know, I, I don't think everybody's going to gonna make it there, right? No. Uh, I think maybe to use an analogy that's a little bit top of mind for the tech industry as a whole, right? And, and it just goes to show the, the capital funding cycles that you get with new technologies. Um, you see all the money right now pouring into uh, AI and chat GPT, et cetera, and just kind of taking a step back is that technology going to be revolutionary in certain applications? Absolutely. Is somebody going to make money off of it? Absolutely. Are there going to be a hundred companies doing it that are leaders in the space? Probably not. Right. Um, so I think that's just part of the normal venture capital cycle is you have a lot of funding activity. You have a lot of bets get placed. Some of them don't pan out uh, a smaller number do. And then the, you know, the, the folks who's, who've made the right bets technologically tend to emerge, um, tend to emerge. And I think we're, we're going to start to see that in the indoor farming space. I think, um, you know, th to the question of, can you make money doing it? Absolutely. You just need to have the right tech stack and you need to be excellent operators and you need to dial in your unit economics, but there's nothing fundamentally saying that it's impossible to make money in the space. It's just hard. Um, and so what we're seeing is, you know, who, who is actually going to be able to, to make it to the finish line. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, yeah. And a lot of the problems that I've had, to, you know, with, with the groups that I've worked with, they have zero people with produce background as well, right. Which is a real challenge for folks, right. To try to understand where you live when you've never been in the neighborhood before. And that's, I think that was something that very early on that really hurt the industry in a lot of ways is that, they just went in with this assumptions of that it was just going to be like, Hey, I'm here. I'm the newest, you know, shiniest penny. You're going to love me. And it's like, yeah. Okay. So what? Right. Yeah. You know, it's just, it wasn't, I think they got a quick wake up call. So it throws me my next question to you a little bit. I mean, you didn't have an agriculture background per se, when you got here, this was new to you. What's the biggest surprise about the produce business you've been counting? You know, I think one of the biggest surprises to me was, um, just how much it has always been a spot market industry. Yeah. Um, and I think I wouldn't say that was a hundred percent of a surprise, but until you're deep in it, like, and really you're viscerally understand just how, how much of a commodity industry it is and how sort of spot market pricing it's driven. And that's really driven just by the unpredictability of mother nature. Um, it takes a little bit to sit through and really understand the end-to-end -end implications of that, right? And I mean, yeah. my, some of my background was in, you know, basically the opposite of that, things that are kind of long-term technology-driven partnerships where there's some predictability around it and you enter into kind of large, you know, large complicated partnerships that take, you know, have multi-year life cycles to them, et cetera. And then really seeing how produce is purchased in the current environment was, was def definitely a wake-up call um, and definitely a change from at least my background, what I was used to. I think, um, you know, plenty is lucky in that we've assembled a really good cast of folks who do have um, experience in the produce yeah. 
agriculture industry and really understand those markets uh, deeply and have that prior experience. And I would say that that's sort of a prerequisite for success. Um, and, you know, a little bit of a, I think a lot of technology industries and technology companies go through this where they've invented what they think is a better mousetrap, but then they have to go and sell the mousetrap. Um, Correct. And there's already a large market for mousetraps out there. And like, you're not just going to sail in with your new mousetrap and it'll sell itself. There's a, there's a whole thing behind it. Well, hundred percent. And, and, you know, I think they got a real wake up call because I think the early marching orders for a lot of these companies, when it first started off, was like, oh, we're going to replace Salinas. Right. And it's like, that is not the opening ball that you want to throw out there. Right. You yeah. just want to make sure you can actually fill a PO five to seven days a week, you know, 52 weeks out of the year, start there, right. Create, you know, type of deal. And I think that's really what messed them up. And then it was like, well, we can match the price too, which we all know to your point earlier that when you start thinking about um, innovation not being cheap and, you know, that, you, you know, and I always say cheap has a hidden cost, right? And you start to put that money back into it. It's, it's, it certainly is a challenge for people to get. And that's why I think where you all have kind of uh, walked into this. You haven't run into this in my opinion. I think you've walked into this with your eyes open. I know the time I spent with your, with, you know, with Matt when he was at the helm and others talking about stuff, it's, it's, it's different. You know, it's just a different mindset you all had, which I find to be, you know, fascinating. It's just, you know, especially from a comparison side, because I can see several different ones, you know, at the same time. So I think it's, I think it's great to see um, where you guys are heading and what you're thinking about stuff like this. I just think it's super powerful. I think it's yeah, cool. That, that, that's great. And we appreciate that. I mean, we've, we've made our fair share of mistakes, but I think um, we try to be humble about, you know, being new entrants in a very large and established industry. Um, we don't know everything there is to know. Um, there's a lot of knowledge out there from established players who we can learn from. And again, it's a big tent. We're all, we all have the same goal at the end of the day, which is to feed people delicious produce at affordable prices. And so I think we, we try to approach it humbly and a little bit met methodically. methodically for sure. Yeah. 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 No, I don't disagree with that. But, you know, one of the things I, I, I find fascinating about what you're doing and a few others are doing the same thing is that you're, you're in the business of learning, right? It's really what you are. You're in the learning business as much as you're in the agriculture business, right? And I say that because I go back to my point I just made a few minutes ago. You know, you're 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 teaching yourself things today that's going to be relevant to your business in five years. You're doing that, and one of the ways you're doing that, and I'd like to talk about it if you wouldn't mind. Hope I don't stump you, but then I'm sure I'm sure you're going to come up with an answer. If not, you know, you're just going to lie to me. I don't know the answer anyway, so I'll think you're right. But talk to me a little bit about your your plenty advanced uh, plants research center that you've got going on. What it's all about, and really why it's important to you guys to get into that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Not a stumper at all. Um, the so we recently entered into a really exciting partnership with um, with uh, a, a couple of different um, entities within the state of Wyoming. Uh, so the Wyoming Business Council and the Laramie Chamber Business Alliance and the city of Laramie all came together um, to effectively come up with a joint plan with Plenty to build out the world's um, most advanced plant science research center in Laramie, Wyoming. I'd actually say we already have the world's most advanced plant science research center in Laramie, Wyoming, but this would be kind of taking it to the next level, both in terms right. of the scope of what we're doing and the advancement. And the idea there is to oversimplify it a little bit, there's two elements to what we're doing there and why it's important. One of them is driving yield and informing future design of the systems. Um, so it's saying, 
what are how do we really optimize the environmental well optimize the environmental conditions and the match between the environmental conditions that we're growing our plants in and the genetics that we're growing. There's kind of an old agronomy term, uh, G by E by M, which is uh, genetics by environment by manage by management techniques, right? And the unique mm-hmm. thing about farming is we control all three of those. So one of the things, one of the major things that we're doing up in Laramie and we'll continue to double down on with our new plant advanced research center there. Um, is dialing those three levers in to really drive the unit economics of our system while also maintaining flavor and quality. And again, to your point about, you know, um, hidden cost to cheap, uh, I, I like that phrase, by the way, I'm going to steal that one, um, as, as well as uh, getting to unit economics is that um, really the key to unit economics is yield at the end of the day. How do you produce as much output for the inputs, whether that's, you know, the combination of CapEx, OpEx, light labor, et cetera, as you possibly can. And the big key to that is driving yield within the system. So that's one of the things that we'll be doing in uh, Laramie uh, Park, as we like to call it. Um, The other thing is we have a fundamental belief that um, the category needs assortment to really thrive. And so we (laughs) think are great. We're very proud of our leafy greens. We have some of the best spinach, kale, other things that you've ever tasted. We're able to do hard to grow crops like spinach. Um, but the industry needs to move beyond that. And we've taken the first big step there with our partnership with our friends at Driscoll's uh, and the farm we're building on the East Coast to grow strawberries. And then we have uh, a variety of other crops in the pipeline. So, you know, looking out five years, what are we going to get? It's High yielding and um, and, a, and and a good assortment on the wet wall and within the you know the grocery store or whatever the the sales channel is, um, and, and that's fundamentally what what Laramie all is all about. We're not doing R and D just for the sake of R and D, although there is a decent amount of fundamental science and, and sure that really lights people up. It, it's a commercialized science or industrialized science operation. And with the expansion that we're doing in Laramie, we're really doubling down on what we view as our strength and the strength of our system, which is the ability to drive yield and assortment. Yeah, well, I think that's in- incredibly important. And, and, you know, quite frankly, when you think about the marketplace that the, the CA space has gone into, salads is, you know, kind of not that exciting to consumers in some ways. It's been commoditized, similar to a carrot, like a red delicious apple. It's a hard place to crack into. It's a hard place to drive value into. Um, you know, I said all along that, you know, I want to see you guys with that, you know, that that five ninety nine clamshell versus that, you know, two for five clamshell that's out there today. Right. Because, again, innovation costs money. Cheap has a hidden cost. We need to drive. You know, we need to be supporting where the future of farming is going to come from. And this is where it's going to be coming from in a lot of ways. Dirt's not going to go away. Nobody's saying that. But resources are and we have to be mindful of that. We have to be considered about that. And we have to be, you know, knowing where that's at. So to see you guys get diversified in your commodity mix. I think leads a charge and, and, and quite frankly, fires a volley to the other folks that if they're not putting paying attention to what's next in that five-year model cycle, and like my brain has into it, it could be detrimental to their long game. So with that being said, though, I want to talk a little bit more about Driscoll, if you wouldn't mind, because the berries are pretty impressive coming out of your facility. <laughs> they taste pretty good, I would imagine, especially working with somebody like Driscoll. They, you know, they, they know how to grow a strawberry too, of what I've heard. I read that somewhere. I don't know if it's true or not. You know, but talk a little bit, talk a bit if we wouldn't mind about the collaboration, what you guys are up to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Driscoll's, we've been collaborating with them for a number of years now. Um, they 
made an investment into the company at the same time as we signed a research partnership with Driscoll's. And what we've been doing with them for the last several years is really prove to them and prove to ourselves and to the outside world that we can grow a really exceptional strawberry using our system indoors. Um, and, you know, we we did that. We've, we've achieved that. Um, the results are pretty pretty mind blowing. Um, really really high quality strawberries at you know approachable economics. Um, the next step and what we're doing now is really expanding that partnership um, commercially. And you know the first big step of that is we're we're currently building a full scale two million kilogram per year output strawberry farm um, in Virginia to supply the the Northeast and kind of mid Atlantic markets, um, and it will be a farm producing uh, Driscoll's genetics um, and uh, being sold uh, under both of our brands. So it's a uh, it's wow. really exciting, and it really the partnership mirrors where Plenty is, which is making that big jump from intensive R&D to commercial scaling. And that is that farm going to be just solely strawberries? Correct. Solely wow. strawberries. I would wow. we have a we have space on the site that that we've secured um to build let's call it up to 10ish million kilograms of output. So the plan over time is to build other farms of other crop varieties. So eventually it will be a full-scale multi-crop campus, but you got to start somewhere and we're starting with strawberries. Well, I, I would too, brother. I mean, I, I, I would too. It doesn't, you know, if you got someone, you got a partner like Driscoll that's looking at this. I mean, that speaks volume to what we said earlier. It speaks volume to what the future of ag looks like, right? The reality of it, if it is, it is what it is. And I think it's going to be very interesting as we start to put commodities like you're doing, leading the charge like this, uh, close to the consumers and around areas and metropolitan areas and where it could be and in the food deserts and et cetera, you know, and globally, right? I, I, you know, I look at that, I look at the Middle East and some of these other countries, Africa, some of these places where this technology, well, granted, it's not ready for that, a lot of it there yet for that type of scale, but boy, it's coming. And it's going to be a really unique planet when we get to figure out how we're going to put better food in front of, you know, starving populations and making things available. I think it's going to be really cool to see it unfold. It's exciting. One hundred percent, and really, part of what we're doing is we're—it's a not a good time globally, given all of the turmoil that's lying underneath it. Whether it's you know things going on with the climate, or whether it's geopolitics or supply chain uh, issues, but um, but it's a good time for the solution that we bring, which is really shortening and simplifying supply chains. So if you think about it, you know, think about some of the amazing things that have happened. Uh, with telecoms and cell phones and the ability to bypass some of these big, complicated infrastructure, you know, cables and things like that. If you think of Africa as an example yeah. of that, you know, not to take the analogy too far, but I think we can do a version of that where we can, you don't have to build these big, complicated supply chains, or you don't have to keep maintaining these big, complicated supply chains because the technology, I, our technology has evolved to the point where you can shorten it and sort of near, near source everything. So, that's amazing. Um, we, think, we think we're a part of that. We can really help uh, help to make for a more uh, more resilient uh, and localized uh, supply chain for for produce. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch, brother. I really do. And I, I want to get into this a little bit because I know this is this is an area that's important to me, and I know it's important to you. This industry is growing. You're leading the charge in a lot of ways. I want to talk a little bit about how CEA is um, working to get a voice in Washington D.C., especially around the Farm Bill. 
Um, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to throw you kind of a two-part question. We'll talk about that a little bit, but also let's let's tweak it into your involvement as well with the CEA Alliance. Going to give a shout out to our boy Tom out there because who doesn't love Tom Stenzel? Um, talk about your involvement and why it matters and how it matters. Why DC Farm Bill? I'm not really sure what question I just gave you, Dan. You're an attorney. I'm going to let you decipher what the hell I just said and come up with an answer. How about that? All right, done. Uh, <laughs> the shout out. We have a dance hall horn going right now. <laughs> the um, yeah. So Plenty was one of the founding members of the CEA Alliance. It was founded. I think it was. 2018 or 2019, the, the exact date's escaping me, but it was around that time. And the basic idea was to create a forum for the indoor agriculture players. Uh, and it was intentionally meant to be a big tent. So in, including greenhouse and various production methodologies like Plenty um, to really come together and talk about issues that affect the whole industry. The initial focus was around food safety. And the reason for that was um, we viewed that as one of the biggest areas for collaboration of the industry, both internally among players and then externally with, for example, regulators and kind of quasi-regulatory bodies. It's since expanded to really be the umbrella organization uh, in the U.S. for the indoor farming industry as a whole. Um, one of the things that we're doing as part of the alliance, and it's uh, our maybe plug for and plug for and shout out to uh, Tom Stenzel, who's our uh, executive director. Tom was the longtime chief executive officer of um, United, United Fresh. Fresh, which yeah. merged with um, PMA to become IFPA, which is really the you know the too many acronyms, <laughs> the industry body basically for for produce produce and floral. Um, Tom um, has assumed the executive directorship of the Alliance. And one of Tom's strengths is really around the government affairs and government relations end of things. And what we're trying to do in a nutshell is, uh, you know, bring the indoor farming industry together and have a voice um, in the policy arena. And, you know, I don't think we we're effectively looking to make sure that when the agriculture conversation is happening, whether it's on the regulatory end, whether it's on the farm bill end and so forth, the indoor farming is really recognized as a key future part of the food production system and is taken into account and given a level playing field on which to operate. So that's that's effectively what we're trying to do um, if you zoom way out on, on the policy end of things. And I think you know, any any nascent industry, there's going to be, like we are, there's going to be areas where the regulatory system, where the legislative system wasn't nothing malicious. It just wasn't set up with what we're doing in mind. And so there are gaps, there are holes, there are discontinuities, there's things that don't quite make sense. Um, and what we're trying to do is just make sure that as the system evolves, it evolves with us in mind. So that's, you know, hopefully that, that, uh, Somewhat answer the question that you were getting. Yeah. Well, That's I know what the hell. I don't even know what the question was. I asked you, quite frankly, <laughs> so you did great. You're, you batted a thousand. No, I, I you, you brought up a good point. I want to come back around to it a little bit. That, you know, it's really important that industries get involved with what's happening in Washington, D.C. I mean, we, granted, we read enough stuff about what's going on, but, you know, that's how things work. It's really surprising when you think about the USDA and what they do and what they're responsible for, the FDA, all these different, you know, all the different acronym organizations that we have founded the government, you know, and, and what they're involved in. And they actually are designed to be participatory 
by the American people. And so few people participate in the process. It's like, damn, they didn't do that. It's like, well, yeah, but you could have had your voice heard if you would have done something, right? So I love what you guys are about. I love the CA Alliance. I love what it, what it stands for and what you guys are trying to all accomplish because you got to get a voice at the table. When you think about the farm bill and the amount of money that goes to eight states in that farm bill versus the other states and the way things are done and the way the farm bill policy is, you know, has been a part of the process of American agriculture, it's time for change. It's time for reality. It's time for the fact that the world is going to be changing as we know it does. And this ag- and this technology you guys are providing is going to be a big, big part of that. It, you know, it's a small sliver now, but it's going to be a big piece of the pie someday. And I think it's really important that, and, and I'm glad to see you guys are at the table. And I would encourage anybody out there that wants to get more information to get on get on the Google machine and uh, type in CA Alliance and see what it shows you and talk about what's going on out there. And if you are interested in getting involved, get involved because it's a worthwhile organization and participation matters when it comes to these issues. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. This episode is sponsored by Shift Creative. Shift Creative brings a fresh approach to design and marketing. Shift's team of expert designers and strategists create content that connects and engages. Our clients are a collaborative part of our process, working directly with the creative team to build their award-winning projects. Specializing in branding, messaging, packaging, marketing, and websites with decades of experience serving the food, agricultural, service, and tech industries, Shift can help your brand to tell its story. Visit StartShifting.com to get started. Make a difference with your marketing. Freshen up with Shift Creative. Here, here, couldn't agree with all of that more. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's an easy issue to get behind really for everybody. Like food security matters to everybody. It's a completely bipartisan issue. We've got indoor farms in blue states. We've got indoor farms in red states. We've got indoor farms in purple states. It's not an urban issue. It's not a rural issue. It's an everybody issue, right? Um, and, and I think the areas that we span as well, I mean, we're not just part of the food system, we're also part of the electrical system. One of the interesting things about what Plenty does and what other kind of fully indoor farms do is we're also big power users and we can be a part of the electrification of the economy as a whole. And so it's not just a USDA issue, it's also an EPA issue. It's almost a department, it's also a Department of Energy issue, right? And so making sure that all of those connections are being made and that all the implications um, of what we're doing are kind of appropriately taken into account is is the name of the game of what we're trying to do. And yeah, just echoing what 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 you said, Todd. Uh, it's uh, definitely you know get behind it, make your voice heard, and and we think it's it's only upside and it's a win win for everybody to to really uh, you know help support this this new industry. Absolutely, you know I, I'm a big believer that I, I, that we need to hold ourselves always to a higher standard, but I think we need to keep driving and keep continuing to grow as an industry when it comes to food, because food insecurity, your point earlier, is one of the biggest threats that can happen in this country. I share something with people on this broadcast all the time, and I'll throw it, share it with you. Go into your kitchen, open up the pantry, and figure out how many days of food you have sitting there if you didn't couldn't get any more for 30 days, right? It's not that I'm not some doomsday or not going crazy, but we don't think like that in this country because, you know, and I, and I go back to you know, the, the, the pandemic, right? When nobody can get toilet paper and everybody's losing their minds, right? Like it was like, we're going to, the world's collapsing. We have no toilet paper. We need to be thinking about our food system. We need to be thinking about the value of our food system. We need to understand that back to cheap has a hidden cost, right? And that, that in our country, we just don't 
value our food like we should. We don't think about it in that terms because we have access and because we have food here. You know, you think, you know, and I think that becomes really dangerous. We become complacent. I don't think we should become complacent with our food because change is everything. You want to change this country quick? Feed the kids better food at school, right? It's, you know, you're going to change their health. You're going to change the environment, all of it. There's so many different things. So when I see what you all are doing and you get involved in DC and you try to educate, because I've listened to the lawmakers up there go, oh, that's what this means? Right. They have no clue. And but they're going to be making decisions on you know, the future of agriculture. And if we don't represent ourselves, no matter what division, whether you like organics or regenerative or in your CEA or I don't know, you're raising seahorses, go get a voice and participate because it's how we're going to make them move the needle. It's so incredibly important. So kudos to what you guys are doing. Really, honestly, I think it's great. No, we appreciate that. And thanks for bringing it up. It's a, it's a really yeah. yeah, well, people need to get involved. What do you think, you know, as we're kind of winding down, we'll throw you kind of a, another final here as we get done. What do you what do you think, you know, when you think CA space from your perspective, you've been around for five years, been kind of playing with it. It's been a struggle for some people to find market share and this and that. Wave your magic wand to you a little bit. What what's what do we need to do to find a stronger voice with the retailers and with the consumers out there to try to 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 kind of come back around to what we've talked about, to put the value in this and understanding to your point, innovation, you know, isn't cheap and what the future is going to look like. How do we do that? I think being more mindful, I don't want to say more. I think everybody's doing their best and I think everybody's trying. Um, being mindful of what's what's the actual problem that we're trying to solve here? Like what's, well, what's the current state problem that needs solving? And then what's the future state problem that needs solving, right? And I think um, for... For most of the players, let's just call it what it is, it's going to be a struggle to really reach parity with sort of the cheapest prices that the field has to offer when it's in season anyways, right? Right. So, um, so we're not currently solving the problem of let's make produce at the peak of the season at the lowest prices. Let's make it cheaper than it already is today. It's more... How do we create stability in the unstable parts of the system? How do we fill a gap that currently exists, whether kind of quantitatively in terms of the ups and downs of outdoor production or qualitatively going back to the, the issue of assortment, right? So I think it's really finding what is the what is the spot in the market that has a problem in need of solving and then really focusing efforts on solving that. And I think part of what we're trying to do is um, to the point about assortment, make sure that we're, you know, dialing in the R&D efforts and, and growing things that people need and don't necessarily have all of the access to that they want, whether it's really peak season strawberries all year, whether it's a hard to grow crop like spinach, right? So I think just being really mindful, what's the actual problem and on what time scale? And I think that'll, that will help unlock some of the market traction problems that, that we may, may have been seeing. I love it. I love it. It's just so everybody knows, I got to say, spinach is the hardest crop you're probably going to ever grow in a CEA, CEA environment, at least to date, at least for what my, everybody, it is really, really tough to grow. And if you don't know why, don't know how, go Google it. I love to get people on the, I love to drive people to Google the, you know, to learn something, but yeah, it's a challenge. It's a real big challenge to grow it. So to see you guys be able to pull it off, you are definitely a unicorn with that commodity, sir. Well, I'll, I'll do a little bit of plug. We've got walls and walls of amazing spinach growing as we speak down in uh, our farm in, in Compton and uh, LA County, California. So yeah, so that's a big deal. 
<laughs> that's a, for those, you know, that's that's a, that's a, that's an industry big deal. Consumers be like, ah, whatever, right? But it, I mean, it's a really big deal. But that's again, that's back to that what you did back then got you here today because you didn't figure that out yesterday. A hundred percent guarantee you that that has been a work in progress. If I was guessing, you've been dorking around for that for thirty six plus months, if not more, trying to get to a place where you can have walls and walls of it. If I was guessing, definitely some blood, sweat, and tears. In there. <laughs> okay, walls of exactly. I love. What's next? Anything exciting coming up the rest of the year? I mean, just besides, you know, kicking ass and changing the world, you know, technology wise for agriculture. You know, I think all eyes right now are on our, you know, the launch of our Compton farm. um, And then, you know, the construction that's underway in Virginia. Those are the two really big priorities. I'd, uh, you know, definitely have some other other tricks up our sleeve, but I think those are the two really big ones. And you know, as as I don't think we mentioned it, but we just signed a uh, really exciting alliance with Realty Income. They're a, um, a a publicly traded REIT, so they they effectively finance properties. Uh, they're a real right. uh, you know property financier, um, and we just signed up a really exciting alliance with them to build lots more farms, uh, you know, across the U.S. and eventually internationally in the future. So it's really like you know all eyes on Compton all eyes on the Virginia farm and then thinking about what the ramp looks like ahead of us. I love it. Congratulations, man. Appreciate don't that. Stop. Don't stop, dude. I mean, I'm telling you, don't stop. It's, it's just so exciting to watch and see, and especially see, you know, you guys transforming now and, and the brand coming out into the ethos and becoming more and more out in, in, the, in the space. It's going to be really fun to watch what you guys do. And I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it. All the encouragement, zoom high five from me to you. You know, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Keep it up. Well, likewise, Todd, really appreciate it. It's, a, it's an exciting part time to be at Plenty and exciting part time to be part of the industry. So really- I think so too. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. It's it's fun. It's fun for an old guy like me who's been around 40 years watching this industry grow, You know, especially my tenure when there was no industry that I lived in, right? To see this come in and, and get excited about it. A lot of people hate me for being excited about it, but that's okay. I'll still answer their emails when they bitch at me, but I don't <laughs> care. You know, I don't care. You got to get over it, kids. We got to find a way to feed all the world good food. Let's go feed it the best we can. Okay. Super fun hanging out, brother. Come back anytime. Open invitation. I appreciate you very much. Likewise, appreciate you having me, Todd. This is, uh, this is really fun. It was a kick. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Plenty. Check them out. They are worthwhile. Go read what they're doing. Call Dan. He's available 24-7. Just call him. I'll give you your number. Text me. I'll give you his phone number. It's no big deal. He loves talking. No, But check him out. They're doing some great stuff, man. And again, get involved in the government if you have an opportunity. You believe in something strong enough, get your voice heard. It's really important. Dan's advocating that. I'm advocating that. doesn't matter. Like I said, even if you love seahorses, just go talk about seahorses. People need to know. We appreciate you all for being here. Thank you very much. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's incredibly important. Just saying hello to somebody is a great way to change the path of somebody's day. And you can do that. And it costs you absolutely nothing. Thanks again for being here. Don't forget, check us out on social media, TLC underscore conversation. Hey, Dan, you know why I'm on social media? Why? Because it's the only way I can pay attention to the CA industry because it's changing so fast. <laughs> I just decided from there. I'm not reading the period. I'm just going total social now. No. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Yeah, much love to you, my brother. I appreciate you. I'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Take care.